Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Start. <laughs> you ready to go? Alrighty. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Is there a Bob H. in the house? He's in the house. You're supposed to be over here? <laughs> We'll find out in a moment. Um, Alrighty, welcome to this session on, and I don't want to mess up the exact quote. I don't need this. Does God really remove all of my defects? We'll find out. And my, uh, my co-facilitator is not here yet, but soon I'm sure you'll show up. Um, Basically, uh, either I or both of us will share our uh, recovery, our experience, strength, and hope on the topic. Uh, Then we'll take a time to answer any questions. So, we have some three by five cards up here. We have no pens up here. We have one pen up here. Uh, So as we go, we have some down there. Thank you, some cards and some pens. So if you have questions along the way, um, then we'll go ahead and answer some questions. Um, in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session, and we ask that you please silence all cell phones. Also, this meeting is being live streamed over the uh, audio only over the World Wide Web. And if you do not wish to participate in the live stream, you are welcome to remain silent. If you choose to share, we ask that you sit in the designated chair in front of the microphone, right here. Uh, And please do not touch the microphone or any of the audio equipment. To all of you who are here, we thank you for helping us carry the message to those who would otherwise never enjoy a convention experience. Also at this time, be sure to silence your cell phones or any other electronic devices. Uh, No pictures, please. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Hi, Bob. So if you join me in a moment of silence for the sexaholic who still suffers and join me in the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Would. Good afternoon. My name is Bob H. I'm a recovered sexaholic. (laughs) 
Alrighty, so the age-old question, which we all are waiting with bated breath, does God really remove all my defects? The good news is, yes, he does. Thank you for letting me share. Let's close the meeting. (laughs) That's not exactly the short answer. (laughs) It kind of is, but we got to add more to it than that for him, shouldn't we? Just a little bit, uh, that's for sure. Um, So when I first uh, looked at this topic, of course, I immediately go to step six and seven. um, And mostly into step seven, where we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And the real key ingredient in in that particular step for me is humility. When I think of the question, does God really remove all my defects of character? Part of me is saying, who cares? What I'm here to learn is the humility part. So I wanted to share a little bit out of uh, Step Into Action. Um, You know, I don't like to read a lot of stuff because we all have literature and we all know how to read for the most part. Uh, And I don't need to repeat a lot what's in there. But I wanted to share, just kind of go through... There, he, he lists think, uh, six things at the beginning of uh, step seven and step into action on humility. What is humility? Uh, number one, we recognize our own powerlessness over the situation. This one is huge for me because I'm as powerless over my defects of character and my shortcomings as I ever was over my disease. The more I tried to get rid of my defects, the more they grabbed hold and I, 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 they, I, couldn't let, I couldn't let them go. I couldn't let them go. Um, I am totally powerless over places, people, and things. And I need a spiritual solution, even when it comes to my character defects. Um, he goes on to say, we have surrendered and let go of our attachment to the result. And this one is very huge for me. I've worked on this for years, and I think I'll work on it for the rest of my life. Letting go of results. Um, I have learned in this program that my job is to state my opinion. Yes, that's right. We all have one of those. To state my experience, my strength, my hope, and then I'm supposed to let go of the results. When I find that I wrap myself around the result, and you're not understanding what I'm saying, well, let me come around this way and maybe I can help you understand the point and you'll get exactly what I mean. And you'll see that, of course, I am right. Um, I'm not right. And if you don't understand it, well, there's a lot, and you can see what that is. I think I call that manipulation. If I can let go of the result, then I am not wrapped around the answer. Does God really remove all my shortcomings, all my defects? The next thing he says, we know that we need to ask because we are not the ones with the answers. Um, Very humbling for me. Um, I would like to believe I have all the answers, but in reality I've learned that I know very little. I know very little. Uh, Again, how does this apply to, does God remove all my defects, really remove all my defects? I think it gets back to my control over the outcome related to the previous thing I was reading. Um, The next thing he says, we are willing to be taught and do our part. There's that word, am I teachable? 
There's a set-aside prayer that we use in our area, many versions of that, and basically it says, God, let me set aside everything I think I know about you, essay myself and my disease for an open mind and new experience. I love that prayer. It doesn't require me to uh, give up anything necessarily. It just asks me to set it aside for a moment. And if I'm willing to set it aside, I can watch God really move. So once again, when I'm looking at the outcome of my defects of character, why aren't you removing these, God? I know you will. You said you would. Did you? Well, I thought you did. Well, if I'm willing to let that go, well, by golly, I may see my defects of character removed. I don't know. You see, it's not my job. My job is to be humble. My job is to be willing to take the next indicated step. My, my, my job, so to speak, is to follow the instructions laid out in what I call the design for living. The fifth thing he says that we are entirely ready when faced with the question in step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. I believe every one of us possibly said, well, heck yeah, but are we really? When I have done step sixes uh, in, in my recovery, I've learned that many times I was not entirely ready to have God remove my defect of character. I was so wrapped around that defect, I got a hit off of it, I liked that defect. Um, and I didn't want to let it go. I also didn't really have an understanding of defects, what those were all about. So one I will pick on for myself. Um, for me, for me, as I have learned the program, character defects are just characteristics that have become defective. Real simple. The one I pick many times is management skills. Now, God has blessed me with some pretty good management skills. The defect of that characteristic is control issues. And I don't know where that line is. I cross it constantly. Um, you know, and so a characteristic becomes very defective when I start controlling things, whether it be the outcome or people or places, things, all of that. I get myself wrapped around the result once again and I try to control it. Um, when I work with my sponsees, I ask them to make a list of all your defects of character. Oh, well, they can do that. You know, they learned a lot of them in step four, and that's where you start. Now you have a whole bunch more you get to add along the way. Um, and I ask them, so which ones are you ready to let go of? Well, all of them, of course. Are you really? And I ask them, I, I share my, my experience, and many times they too find that, well, maybe I'm not entirely ready. So if I'm expecting God to remove my defect and I'm holding on to it as tight as I can, maybe there's an issue there. Remember, the problem is me. The last thing he says in this little section on humility is we desire to seek and do God's will. So I think that for me, what I've learned is the key to whether God removes my defects or not the key is really, am I willing to do the work? Um, you know, I'll, I'll finish with, with this for me. As I have just let go of the result, as I have practiced this, um, I find that the defect, well, I don't cross that line as often I, as I once did. And I had absolutely nothing to do with that. 
This is something that God has done for me. Um, I also think that who am I to tell God when and where this is supposed to happen? Okay, God says he's going to remove my defects of character. Um, my expectation is that they'll all be taken care of immediately and I can go on with life. I have found over my, in, in recovery, that my step six, my list that I did, is in constant flux. Constant flux. All those things that I put that I was ready to let go of, all the things that I was not ready to let go of, they're going back and forth constantly. So we learn in program that you don't work a step and then you're done with that one. You work, you work a step so you can learn the principle. And so step, step six of many, and step seven of many of the steps is probably the most active one in, in my program because of this constant flux. Um, but what has happened over, over the term of, of well, quite a few years is that, as I mentioned, I'm not crossing over this, this line that, that I don't even know where the line is. My, my second sponsor, other no, also known as my wife, will definitely point out when I've crossed the line of, of, uh, of character defect, or of characteristics into character defects. Um, Lastly, I also want to mention that I have discovered that many times God has used my character defects for whatever message he's trying to get across. And that was surprising. I come away from, from this particular question is, uh, again, right back to where I started. Does God remove all my defects of character? Yes, he does. Every single one of them. And I take them back constantly. And that's why I need to work this program daily, especially step six. When I do a step 10 review, I refer to step six to find out where did I cross the line. I can't see it, God, you're gonna have to show me so I can make some corrections. Um, I wish it was as simple as, yes, God, I'm ready, take them away. But that's not it, because I keep taking them back. Um, I am so grateful for a program like Sexaholics Anonymous. I never thought I would live a life like this. Because I'm not defect free, but I'm free to surrender those defects. I know the tools that I can use to really let them go and become entirely ready to have him do that. Um, so with that, I will and um, my part right here um, and allow Bob to share and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was, that was meaningful uh, to say the least and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, that's the best part about these things is getting a chance to listen to some of these other folks who've you know, had some sobriety for a long time and done a, a lot of meaningful step work. Um, and I mean, we have a few folks like that in, my, in the groups I've been around too. And, and but it's always nice to broaden, you know, your 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 uh, your experience in recovery. So again, my name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. Um, grateful to be here tonight. Uh, honored to have a chance to to talk on this whole notion of does God really remove our defects of character or not? Um, and so we'll get we'll get started 
really on that on that whole thing because it's a it's a current issue for me. I've been sober since thirteen. Um, I have amazing sponsorship, um, uh, and that person guides me through all my all my stuff. He's someone who you've been hearing from here quite a lot, and I, I'm highly privileged to have Bill as my sponsor. But he's helped me a great deal. And, and what I discovered in the course of my recovery is the most meaningful step work I ever did right at first after a couple of years was done with someone with a great deal of experience and sponsorship, both in SA and in AA. And, and he had a whole lot of seat time, and he also was a personality suited to deal with me, which is a very big prerequisite because I'm a, I was a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> it was an even bigger pain to myself. And, and so I, there was a certain type of person who was going to be well-suited then for someone like me, uh, willing and able to call me on my stuff, and, and he was that person. So uh, that, I learned, was the value of the conference-approved literature, especially the AA Big Book, the 12 and 12, and, of course, the SA White Book. Um, I really got sober through doing the AA 12 Steps, and I've taken others through through that same thing. So my current sponsor is also very much steeped in the, the AA 12 Steps, stays tight to that in the, uh, in the 12 and 12, and also the SA White Book literature. So um, to that effect, uh, I do read a little bit because... I'm one of these people that it, um, I'm easily distracted, you know, and so I get to, I start talking and I, I, I have to have a clock going because uh, I wander off the, you know, topic and there's all these other problems because I'm, I'm like Burns Brady. I just dearly love to hear myself talk. And, and you know, if, if that's a problem, you can, you know, find another session if you'd like. But <laughs> it's just kind of how I am. And so I've tried to take measures to first, number one, stay on topic and give you something meaningful rather than just me running my mouth and, and also have a clock running. So... Uh, where I want to go is on page 74 of uh, step 7 in the, in the 12 and 12, and I want to read a little bit here for you so we can build off of this. It says, um, this improved um, perception of humility, which we're talking about in the humility discussion in the Steps to Heaven literature here, it says, the improved perception of humility starts another revolutionary change in our outlook. Okay, they're talking about revolutionary change. He didn't say change. They said revolutionary change. All righty then. Okay, let's go on. Revolutionary change in our outlook. Our eyes began to open to the immense values which have come straight out of painful ego puncturing. Well, there you go. Where have we gotten before this point? Unmanageability. Got to find a God. It's not me. I hate that part, but it isn't. Made a deal with that new God. Did my inventory. Shared it with somebody else. Oh, my God. Thought my life would end. Sat back and found out about all these character defects and tried to make myself ready to get rid of them. Didn't even want to get rid of most of them. What's it need? Humility. And a lot of it. So our eyes began to open to the immense values which have come straight out of painful ego puncturing. That's what I just was talking about. And further it says, until now our lives have been largely devoted to running from pain and problems. Anybody relate to that? We fled from them as from a plague. We never wanted to deal with the fact of suffering. Escape via the bottle or through lust was always our solution. Character building through suffering might be all right for saints, but it certainly didn't appeal to us. Then, in AA or SA, we looked and listened. 
everywhere we saw failure and misery transformed by humility. Okay, now we got another transforming thing going on here. It was transformed into priceless assets. We heard story after story of how humility had brought strength out of weakness. In every case, pain had been the price of admission into a new life. But this admission price had purchased more than we expected. It bought a measure of humility. It brought a measure of humility, which we soon discovered to be a healer of pain. We began to fear pain less and desire humility more than ever. Humans are evidence-based. If I'm in pain and I get something for it that's good, I'll begin to shift my opinion of pain because I have evidence. This is the part where we commence to outgrow fear. It says, during the process of learning more about humility, the most profound result of all was the change in our attitude toward God. And this was true whether we had been believers or unbelievers. We began to get over the idea that the higher power was a sort of bush league pinch hitter to be called upon only in an emergency. The notion that we could still love, still live our own lives, God helping a little now and then, began to evaporate. Many of us who had had thought ourselves religious awoke to the limitations of this attitude. Refusing to place God first, we had deprived ourselves of his help. But now the words of, of myself I am nothing, the Father doeth the works, began to carry a bright promise and meaning. We saw we needn't always be bludgeoned and beaten into humility. It could come quite as much from our own voluntary reaching for it as it could from the unremitting suffering. Didn't say from the suffering, said from the unremitting suffering. A great turning point in our lives came when we sought for humility as something we really wanted, <coughs> rather than as something we must have. It marked the time when we could commence to see the full implication of step seven. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Um, some of that I read in a previous session on steps six and seven. But it's worth reading again because not all of you were in that session. Um, and, and for me, does my God remove all of my character defects? All of them? And I like what he said. The answer is yes, we could be finished. But that's not why you're here. You didn't come sit down in here tonight for a quick, simple answer. For me... If you're at this point, six and seven, you've already got to deal with your God. The God of your understanding. The question becomes, is my God big enough to remove all of my shortcomings? And if you think he isn't, then maybe you need a different God. You might want to go back to two and look at that again. Who is it I made that prayer to in step three? Who is it I'm getting ready to make that prayer to in step seven? So if we're going to assume the basis that, you know, we're all, we're all addicts and we've all been bludgeoned into coming into recovery and we all have invested a lot of time and energy and pain and transformation into this process of trying to become different and better, then I'm going to ask you um, to surrender your list. I'm going to ask you to say, all right, I got this list here of, you know, character defects. I learned about them in step four and five. I'm 
going to ask you to entertain that that might not be the list. It might be the glaring ones. Pray about those. They probably need to be removed, especially if you were able to notice them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was what it was said to me. And Bob, if you can figure it out, you probably need to pray about getting them gone. You know, but don't limit yourself to it. And here's my point. If this God really is bigger than all my problems and all of everybody else's problems in this room, then he knows my list. And there might be more things on it than I'm able to even put down yet. I might not even know what they all are yet. You know, I've been living some form of happy, joyous, and free for 10 years now. I don't and haven't done in a really long time the stuff I used to do when I was acting out. Some of that memory is starting to fade. I'm grateful for that. I'll never be sufficiently grateful for that. Because I was on, I was hell-bent to destroy myself. At least get arrested, you know, <laughs> if not worse. And so I need a meeting every now and then that talks about step one so I can remind myself of what, how bad it was. And, uh, you know, so for me, this character defects list changes. You know, people-pleasing is a big problem right now for me. And it wasn't as big of a problem a few years ago. Or at least I didn't see it as a big problem. But here's the thing I'm asking you to entertain. What did I just say? I didn't see it. You know, my God's big enough to do all this stuff. He sees it all. I'm not that big. I can't see it all. What I need to really do for me in this whole process of whether or not he gets them all, <coughs> at least in my opinion, is I need to just do the work as best as I can with the help of my sponsor and then set that down and say, God, here's what I got. Because of who you are, God, it occurs to me you might have even more. <laughs> and so I'm going to make myself available to you for these things that I've been able to figure out on, through what I work I've done, but anything else you might have me want to be rid of in the way of a character defect. If you can be that open with your higher power and then back that up with a request for discernment, prayerful consideration through discernment, it will come you will know. Because what you'll have done is you'll have made your spirit and your being available to the God of our understanding to enter into your spirit and help you know what needs to be done next. And I'm talking like that. It sounds an awful lot like you might be at church. I'm not trying to do that. But the only reason I'm going there is because that has never once failed for me. That, that approach to God is okay, here's my best thinking, so let's add to that with whatever else you've got. So I want to have your discernment. I want to know what you've got to say to me about this. And I'm open to adding to the list if that's what you want to do. So here it is, God. I'm just going to be the clean slate right now. And I'm going to listen. And I'm going to wait. And my side of the street, it would probably be a good idea not to put some sort of an expectation on when this should come. It needs to be your timing, not mine. 
And if I can put that prayer together and absolutely mean it, and then say it over and over, I have always gotten an answer. And, and it took me a long time to, not, to, to become somebody who wasn't so terrified of God and his will that I couldn't say that prayer. You know, I had a friend of mine, a wonderful spiritual mind. He's, 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 uh, he's one of those kind of people that I've met in my life who has a, um, a relationship with his God that, that has been, um, it, it's a thing of beauty. Um, and because of, of that, and we were talking one day about God's will, because he's the kind of person I felt comfortable you know, having discussions like this with. And, and he listened to me go on and on about God's will and how I was, you know, acting really in his eyes like I was afraid of it. And and he says, Bob, Bob, hang on a second, man. What, are you, what What's this all about? You're, you're really concerned about this. He says, I want, I want you to entertain a thought for a moment, Bob. He says, what if you looked at it this way? This is God we're talking about, right? I said, well, yeah. He says, do you believe maybe that he's the one that might have created you and like we talk about? He says, I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, don't you think he knows how to get a hold of you? Well, yeah. He says, another thing I want you to consider about what he might have you do in his will is this. If you really knew what God's will was for you, you would find it that it is exactly what you want for yourself. And I thought, wow. Here, I was making it out to be, I got to go live under a tree in Africa or something. And, no, he says, just stop it. He says, let God be God. You be you. Do your work. Clean your side of the street. Listen to your sponsor. Take the guidance that's been offered. Read the materials. And then place this stuff as your accomplishment, your work, whatever, in front of God and ask him, now what? What do we do with this? And then be of service. And I promise you, he said to me, he says, I promise you, the work, the answers will come. And so I stopped getting so hung up about what are all my character defects. And I stopped getting hung up about counting them. And it's a good thing because there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, wow. You know, it's like, yeah, that's, ooh, boy, good thing we got recovery. But, you know, good thing we've got recovery. You know, we were a nickel away from not having AA. And the movie suggests he went in the bar and cashed out a, you know, dollar bill for nickels so he could go back and make that phone call. I don't know if that really happened or not, but <laughs> I, wasn't <there. laughs> I wasn't there. And we were an opinion away from having SA. Because if you read in the history, um, Roy wanted to put together SA and he went to, uh, went to Chuck, I'm told, it's, at least as it's recorded, and said, I need you guys to bless this. And, and Chuck started off not going to do it. And right in the middle of his sentence, he got his mind was changed. And he he flipped and he completely turned and said, yeah, let's do this. We were a discussion away from not having SA 
possibly. You know, I don't want to know what would have happened. Let's let's look at it that way. Um, there are all kinds of these moments in time that have led up to you sitting in this chair you're sitting in right now. Me sitting in this chair, Tom being here with me to do this. And when there's that much power going on behind the scenes, organizing all this stuff, bringing the planets together, who am I to instruct that? So for me, yeah. Not only is he going to take them, but he's going to take all of them. And he's going to take even the ones I may not be aware of. And if he needs me to know what they are, I'll be notified. Keep your side of the street clean. Um, do what your sponsor asks you to do. Stay tight to recovery. Go to meetings, help others, and you'll be notified. Uh, somebody told me that one time, and, and not maybe that exact parlance, but that's what it was. So um, kind of that's where, that's where I'm at. And I want to have Tom get a chance to, to comment right now on anything else he might have. Thanks, Bob. Um, remember, uh, we'd love to have some questions or we're going to ramble uh, for a while. Um, so if you're comfortable with that, that's okay. Um, but we have some cards. Uh, also down here on the uh, uh, chair are some cards and pens, and we'll kind of go from there. I want to pick up on something that, that Bob shared about, about when he was talking about the list, and we know about the glaring ones, and, uh, but there's still more work to be done. So in my experience in recovery, I have learned that so much of the results, yeah, so much of the success in one area is as the result, it becomes a result of doing the work in another area. And where I'm going with this is that what has happened for me when I think of the, the list of character defects and after you get done with the glaring ones, uh, as I practice steps 10 and 11 and improving my conscious contact with God, um, being aware of my own uh, daily um, defects, the list all of a sudden has other things on it. Uh, again, I, I would sit there and say, well, what do I do? I just sit here and think? I'll just think about it. <coughs> And that wouldn't work. The glaring ones were easy. You know, they, most of those came off of step four. And, of course, in doing the, the work, um, some were quickly added. But I know even today there are more defects that I need to be aware of that I need to. And, again, it's really hard for me to surrender something I'm not aware of. These are all those hidden things. We talk about peeling back the onion. We all talk about that. Uh, recovery is that process of digging a little bit deeper. Um, but for me, it's always been about doing the next indicated step, doing the work that has been set out before me in literature, from my sponsor, from other people in the program, and remembering that if I do the work, the results are going to happen. And once again, I have absolutely nothing to do with those results. Um, you know, I think awareness is a wonderful thing. So when I do my step 10 work, uh, and, and believe me, I have to do that uh, on, on a daily basis. I have to. Um, 
and I do my meditations. I have to do that also on a daily basis. And I'm not going to tell you I do every single step on a daily basis. Um, and then I work a 48-hour job, and then uh, <laughs> and on and on and on. The reality is, is that steps one, two, and three are done daily for me. Steps 10, 11, and definitely 12 are done every day. And I try to pick up the rest of those steps on a regular basis. Um, and so when I revisit step six and step seven, after I've been doing these daily other things, all of a sudden I'm going, something's happened, something's come to light and the list has changed. Some of it is old stuff, some of it is brand new stuff, and it's really neat when I go, oh wow, I forgot about that. I used to have that problem when I was in high school. I thought it was gone. Uh, and that's what just happens for me. Um, but I liked also something that Bob said, and I, I kind of alluded to that, is that it's not about watching God remove my defects of character. It's about doing what I've been told to do, being willing to do something, um, and to practice this humility that, that we've been sharing about. And I think that's really a key, is remembering that, as I said in my set-aside prayer, everything I think I know, I don't know anything. You've heard, you know, the old adage, the longer I'm in recovery, the less I know. Many people have heard that. Well, to a point, that's true. That's true. Because it's realizing that I don't have all the answers. That's really what it's all about. I don't have all the answers. I need a power greater than myself to reveal, to restore, uh, to recover. Um, and that's how it's done for me. So we have a couple of questions that did come up. What do Someone's we have off here? The World Wide Web. Someone's on the. Yep, in the live stream. Uh -huh. so, if... so this is from the live stream. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, those that are listening in on on the web, do you have experience with character defects being changed, quote unquote, into character assets? Um, so I'll hit that one first, and then I'm going to move over and let Bob work work with the rest of this. Um, it gets to the very beginning what I was talking about, about characteristics and my view of character defects being character de characteristics that have become defective. So when I think of being changed into character assets, it's about getting back to square, back where I'm supposed to be. We, uh, Bob mentioned being on your side of the street. Um, you know, Roy talks about and I love this because it really helped me in, in, my, in my early recovery, being filled with guilt and shame. Roy talks about the true self. He talks about the things that we accumulate in our lifetime, from childhood, from family of origin, from all over the place. And these are those defects of character that mask the true self. So somewhere way down deep in there, there's a pretty good guy but I've clogged it up with so much junk. And then other people have clogged it up. It just, it is, there's no blame. It's just the things that we accumulate. And what happens in recovery for me is that um, it's like that cleaning job. Uh, little by little, God removes the defects of character. The actual true characteristics, the true self starts to come forth. And I'm amazed. I had always hoped that that guy was down there but I gave up my integrity when I gave up, 
excuse me, I gave up my integrity when I acted out, when I became a sexaholic. And I always wanted to be a man of integrity, but it was really hard to do that when you're having affairs and you know, you're looking at pornography or all the other things that we can think of that we do when we act out. Um, this program got me my integrity back. So if you want to answer that question, do you see them changed? Yeah, because I wanted integrity. I never had it. By golly, I've got a little bit of that right now, and I have nobody to thank except God. And this is another one of those things I will never be sufficiently grateful for. Um, it feels pretty good. Uh, I know that, that if I, again, if I don't work that, as much as I like that characteristic, if I don't work the program on a daily basis, if I don't continually look at my defects of character, I'll give that one up again. You know, re, uh, one of my sponsees says that SA will gladly refund your misery if that's what you're asking for. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. Thanks, Tom. I, I love that essay. I'll gladly refund your misery. Oh, my God. If there's something I don't want back. Uh, besides, I'm pretty good at creating my own. If there's more needed, I'm probably not going to go to essay for it. I'm just go out and do it myself. At least that's what I used to do. I'm grateful, grateful to say today I'm not doing that. Um, so to, to transform them from character defects to... Um, character assets. First of all, you got to know what they are. You know, if you're grandiose, and one of the one of the hallmark symptoms of being grandiose is that you insist on uh, the last word. You insist on being in the center of attention. You insist on being the coming, which you end up coming across as the know-it-all. Um, the opposite of that is to be quiet, listen to other people's opinion, and be supportive. Let them take the stage. So you kind of got to know what the character asset would be that's the opposite of the character defect. Um, people pleasing is something I'm struggling with right now. It's very apparent to me. Um, the God of my understanding has brought it up as, as it brought up, I, I feel, has brought my attention to it because it's functioning kind of at my deficit. A very direct coworker who um, is very instructional, and um, I'm supposed to leave where I was at Thursday at noon to come down here, and that had been cleared with the, you know, the big boss, and that was a done deal. So it's not really a negotiable thing. And he calls me at about ten and says, "Get this guy and go over to this place and do these things." and It'll probably take you most of the afternoon to get this squared away, and I stopped him. Now, a while back when people-pleasing was a massive deal, I would have gone into this mental gyration of trying to figure out how to do what this guy's asking me to do and still make it down here. That's a seven-hour drive. There's not a lot of negotiation in that, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to admit to you that that all crossed my mind because I wanted to make him happy. And I stopped myself and I said, dude, look, I'm out at noon. Cleared it with Tim a long time ago. I'll see you Monday. And I wasn't harsh, like that kind of come across a little harsh. I says, but this has already been pre-approved. He says, oh, okay, all right. We'll go do something else then, we'll figure it out. 
And I had thought it was a much bigger deal than that because that's what people pleasers do, don't we? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are one, maybe you're not one. But I just needed to guard my schedule, guard the arrangements I had made, and stay true without being a jerk. And I, I got that done. So that's one way to answer going from what I used to be to what I need to be. There's another question here, though, that someone put up here. It says, what are some practical ways to practice humility daily? Um, some, what is something that you do to bring you back into being right-sized? I like this, right-sized, another below, right under God. There you go. <coughs> Rather than trying to be God, I'm guessing. Um, I certainly had made a run at that. Um, but anyway, what are some practical ways to practice humility daily? And, and it's like Tom was saying, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, 7, 10, and 11 at night is a really good way to do that. Um, because 1, 2, and 3 in the morning puts me in what I feel is com- a correct perspective with God because I'm going back to the realities of powerlessness in my life. I'm going back to the realities that I'm not God and there is a God of my understanding who can free me from my problems. And then there's this whole prayer thing about turning my will and my life over to the God of of my understanding, free me from my difficulties and all that stuff so that I might be uh, able to work on his behalf in the world. That's a real good way to tee yourself up for, uh, for humility that day. And then seven is, you know, here's my character defects, God, can you still remove them? Um, Ten says, hey, I'm going to go back over my day with a searchlight real quick and say, hey, what went well? And be grateful for that. That's a really important part of step ten. A lot of people glaze over that. What went well? Be grateful for that. That used to be a non-existing list in my world. It seemed like nothing was going well. But go to step ten at night and say, what went well? And be grateful for that. And then say, what went wrong? And do I have a role in it? And I got to be careful because the people pleaser wants to come in and say, yeah, oh yeah, I got to have a role in it. It must be, it must be me. Well, wait a minute. Maybe you have a role in it, but it might be the great, might not be the great big grandiose role you want to paint yourself as. Well, let's get some discernment here. And do I need to go back and clean up anything? Did I break something I need to go fix before I go to bed? And then 11 is that conscious contact with God. And that helps me be clear. For me, those things put me right-sized under God. So I don't know if we have any other. Bring some questions up, guys. Come on. <laughs> you want to answer that one? I do. I, do. I, do. I do. So now I get to do my commercial. In addition, in addition to what Bob mentioned, my commercial is for service. <coughs> You know, one of the quotes, a couple of quotes um, from the big book that I like um, that applies not just to sobriety, but it really applies to all this. So we're talking about character defects. We're talking about God, as I mentioned, God taking away defects and, you know, I'm in line. Where do I grab them back? Um, Nothing will ensure against a slip than intense work with other sexaholics. Immediately we think of the newcomer as well we should. However, when I'm in service, I'm practicing the principles of the program. And as I said earlier, so much of the result is a result of doing something different. And I see changes. I do something over here, and all of a sudden I'm looking over here and I'm noticing there's been a shift. 
there's something has happened. Someone once came up to me and and which was very flattering and they said, well, we can really see how recovery has been evident in your life. And I thanked them and I went, when did that happen? I didn't know, I, I, I don't know. And I don't need to know, I don't wanna know, not at all. My other favorite quote says, and I paraphrase this a little bit, all, after all is said and done, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. That's where God gets to do his work. If I am fitting myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me, and that's where I'm working, he then has a chance to say, you know, I think right now I need to move this defect of character away from you because it's in the way. And he makes that choice, not me. I'm busy doing something different. I'm trying to fit myself to be of maximum service. That's really what I'm supposed to be doing here. Um, remember that there's 24 other principles of the program that are just as important as the first 12. And those are traditions and concepts of service. So what do I do? I study traditions. I study and practice the concepts of service, not just in SA. It's easy to do that in SA. I do it at home. Here, call my wife, ask her. <laughs> um, I do it at work. You know, these are the things about what Step 12 taught me. I'm supposed to do this in all my affairs, everywhere. And so when I do all these things, this is that design for living that Bill W. laid out in, in the big book, that Roy picked up and laid it all out in the white book. This is our design for living. This is why I'm here. If I was just here to get sober, well, I got sober a long time ago. And by the grace of God, one day at a time, God has seen fit to allow that to continue. But I can't just sit back and say, ah, I got sober, I'm done. That's only a gate. The program is not about sobriety. It starts with sobriety. I learned that from my sponsors, and I believe that to this day. The program is recovery. And so that's my long answer to a very short question about how do I practice humility daily? That is remembering that I have to do it daily. And that whatever I did yesterday, that was yesterday. All that does is give me a starting point. What's new today, God? Any more questions? Or Bob's gonna ramble. <laughs> I'm, here, oh. I'm a sexaholic. Yeah. And I don't, um, with regards to being here in the last 24 hours, I've noticed a lot of codependence come up. Um, it used to be when I wasn't sober, the uh, conference would be less than or more than other people around me. Now, thank God I'm sober, I still find I'm feeling pretty raw and uh, seeking others' approval. I'm seeing a lot of faces and people. So that codependence, maybe people pleasing, like you mentioned, I don't know if it used to be that apparent, but now I'm feeling a lot more raw because I'm in a real place. Um, maybe on people pleasing or slash codependence, if you have any. Um, suggestions on giving it, giving it up to God and then how do I practice that of giving it up and what's my part in giving it up that codependence of seeking approval okay you want to do this one yeah I can yeah. try that uh, one of the things in, in the last at least five years can you repeat the question so yeah so let me see if I can even repeat that 
Um, he's, he's indicated that he's seen a lot of stuff about, you know, in the talk about people pleasing and different things that our, our character defects that we're talking about also can qualify as codependent type behaviors. And, um, and you've been seeing a lot of that. Am I right? And how do you differentiate that? Is that kind of what you're talking about? And how does that fit into your recovery? Okay, so what would you practice as the opposite of being codependent? So for me, um, like I said, in the last five years or so, uh, I was able to spend a great deal of time with some um, some very very good Al-Anon wisdom. And the thing I learned that I believe many, if not most, addicts would learn, alcoholics or sexaholics is that we're also pretty fabulously codependent mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's one of those underlying things and and uh and it, it it comes out in a lot of the ways we are whatever that might be and uh, <clears throat> there's a lot to be learned from um Al-Anon materials and and i think that um i would work with your sponsor about about how that might fit in with you and your program, because that's something that really needs to be worked with on a, on a detailed level. But the thing I've noticed is is that my own personal struggle with people pleasing is a very codependent response to um, having been with someone that has merely only ever tolerated my recovery, never joined me, and. Um, created a scenario that was a lot more like a work release program than a marriage. And and for me, codependence was a number one problem. And I didn't even face it what, until I got some guidance from a strong Al-Anon about, hey, what about this? What about that? And I started sort of like we talk about in the literature, throwing the searchlight across some of the other things that are going on. And, and that's me and my story. I don't know if that's anyone else's story or not. Maybe you don't have that to talk about. But for me, um, there became, at that beginning point, it was very difficult to tell the difference between my codependent behavior and my character defects because you could really blend them things together pretty well. So I've had to get a lot of guidance on that. And that is a big deal. Um, when you're in a situation where you've been with someone for a really long time and, and your, your, your acting out behaviors has taken a grave toll on their emotions and on their trust and on um, the, the tenets of the foundation of a relationship, you may or may not be able to recover that. And that's just the reality of the issue. It has everything to do with the personality. It has everything to do with the commitment. It has everything to do with the, that other individual's um, own ability to com- to be open-minded, willing, and teachable. And it is what it is. You can't change it. You're going to work with what you got. And and for me, that that served up a scenario where I ended up developing some pretty strong codependent behaviors because I was... Um, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. I can't. You know, individual choices are their own. Are the own individuals to own, and I own mine. I'm trying to keep my side of the street clean. I'm not running anybody down, but I had to come to terms with these differences, and I faced them square on with some guidance. Don't ever do that without the guidance of your sponsor or your program. But yes, you, I would parse through that, and I would look at, you know, what is this? Is this codependent behavior, or is this a character defect? 
and you need strong sponsorship. You might even need religious guidance uh, to combine with that too and, and help you discern that because these things will dog you maybe at every step as you go forward. So if you're feeling as an individual that there's something lurking there, I would invite you with the strength of the program, the power of your higher power, some discernment, and, and guidance with your sponsor that you dig around and unroot that because it could potentially lead to problems in the future. But more than anything, it's going to eat up some of your serenity. That's for sure. And we don't need that. That's not why we're in recovery. We're in recovery to be um, happy, joyous, and free, I think it was. Exactly. Yeah. That would be yeah. That's the one. Okay. Did you have a question? Have you done a step four yet? Repeat the question. Yeah, I'm getting better. Yeah, we will. So you're pretty foggy, and you're having a hard time seeing your character defects. Can you repeat the question? Is is how do I? You're asking us how do you get closer to your character defects? Okay. Um, to see your part in it. Yeah, that happened for me in step five, because I presented my step four inventory, as I said in an earlier session, with a with a very well-developed plan to figure out what we're going to do about all these people. <laughs> you know? All right. How we handle this? Yeah, well, here's how we handle it. Do some forgiving, Bob. Um, for me, my sponsor was writing them down and handing them to me. Um, one of them, I'll never forget, he handed it to me in two colors. He said, do some forgiving, Bob. Um, and so I'm, I'm not very forgiving. I'm very vengeful. Um, so you look at what I would urge you to do with your sponsor is to go back to your sponsor and say, now let's get the four-step inventory I've got, the biggest one, back out and look at these people who I've put on there and look at what they did to me. And then let's talk again about what it affected. All right. How you know, security, self-esteem, you know, all that stuff. And then... I would invite you to begin a dialogue on each one of those um, that's based on we're going to set the person in their, in, in their offense aside for a minute and talk about the possibility of me having had a role in this somehow. What did, did I do anything to precipitate that bad behavior on their part? It's never to justify them. It's not about that. Don't ever want to minimize what they did. That's not what we're doing. What we're saying is did I have a role and when I do that, I start to look at maybe I could have handled something differently. And then if it is something that I could have handled differently, then why did I do that? What was my motivation for having handled that thing that way? And if you dig around in that part of the neighborhood very long, you'll probably find a character defect of some kind. And for me, it worked because I found my grandiosity pissed them off. Okay. My, my unwillingness to forgive and move on annoyed him. My arrogance is hard to have around. My insisting on my way is very annoying. And when I'm tipping people off all the time, of course they're on my roof because they do stuff back to me. See, So that's how it worked for me. I don't know if it's going to be anything like that for you, but 
in digging into the things that are on my, especially my initial four-step list, <clears throat> I can get with the, it's, this is this is a, you know, group effort. You got to do this with your sponsor. And, you, and I hope your sponsor has the wisdom to help you go through this. And if you don't, get a different one. You know, you say, Bob, boy, that's pretty harsh. Well, I'm sorry. You know what? This thing wants your life. It's coming for you. And if you're not getting the guidance that you need, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we call them temporary sponsors. There's, there's people in this program, and a lot of them, like Tom and myself and some buns, these other guys, that might be able to help you. And you know what? Even some of us might not be able to help you. Maybe it's somebody different. But it's, you've got to care about your life as much as your addiction cares about you because it's coming for you. And, and it won't stop. The only, of the two of us, me and my addiction, I'm the only one that gets sloppy. So I go with that, and I try to dig and dig and dig and unroot this stuff, and that's where I find what my character defect might be. So that's just one thing you might think about. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I know you're fine. Thanks, Bob. On that happy note, <laughs> it's time for us to wrap it up. Because in a little while, unfortunately, they're going to make us eat again. Um, oh, there is that. <laughs> so with that, let me say this. Uh, Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Uh, and then if you would, uh, let's see if we can put together a giant amoeba and uh, we'll close in uh, probably the seventh step prayer. And most importantly, keep coming back. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.